Hey, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. JR Davies, preseason coaches survey, tips, and then ask me anything. Big show coming up. Let's get into it. Welcome to Who's On Him, the official podcast of the Quadruple AFL, the uh, snakiest and most toxic fantasy league in all of Australia. <laughs> I am joined by my co-host, Josh Ryan. JR, how are you today? I'm uh, I'm good, mate. I'm looking forward to the rapidly approaching season that is starting tomorrow night. So I'm equal parts excited for that and also equal parts concerned for your welfare with uh, some of the goings on <laughs> of the last 12 hours or so. Uh, so how are you, most uh, importantly? Thanks for asking. I really appreciate it. Um, look, uh, Quadruple AFL Cares has been getting a bit of a, a run uh, as of late in my household. And um, I'm glad that the EAP program is in place because, uh, yeah, the, the goings on of the group this morning and late last night were... Um, obviously really tricky to deal with and you know I'm just I'm just thankful that you've asked how I am so I appreciate it there's there's not enough uh not enough love in the group so thank you for that who was on uh who was on the night shift last night as part of the uh the AFL, the quadruple AFL cares hotline it was John but he never responded to me <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like him He's the only one active at 3 a.m but yeah every time I tried to contact him he just <laughs> didn't didn't even leave me on red just didn't bother. You, you know the problem is you didn't mention Jason Horn Francis and uh... <laughs> forgot that uh, you have to mention Harry Sheezer or Jason Horn Francis to get any sort of uh, rise out of him. Um, Jr, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about what's been happening in the world of quadruple AFL, and then we have an exciting uh, podcast today because I have in front of me sixteen responses to the quadruple AFL pre coaches survey for season twenty twenty three. And I've given you a pre-look at them with some uh, interesting results in there. And, I mean, some, some, some are quite obvious and I guess are a reflection of the direction the league is going. But there are some surprise responses that uh, even caught me off guard. I'm excited to talk about one of them in particular, and I think you know which one that is. <laughs> Enlighten me. Which one is that? Well, spoiler pod, the one that uh, someone responded that you're going to finish bottom of the <laughs> good truth way of the ladder. I, I have some thoughts, but I, I will, uh, I'll save them for, for later on. So we are officially one day away from the fantasy season plus AFL season, but that's irrelevant. Um, starting, we have teams tonight. Is there anybody that you're um, concerned about teams-wise this week, maybe not filling a squad or just generally putting up a terrible score? I'm, I know you have spoken to me personally about some grave concerns you have about uh, getting 18 on the field this week. So <laughs> I think I could be most concerned about you. The, the ac- trade activity appears to be quite frantic. I would be thrilled with uh, 17 on the field this week and I would be uh, <laughs> accepting of 16, but I'm concerned it's more likely going to be in the low teens at this current rate. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Last time I ever draft speculatively, um, I think that's going to, <laughs> to be my role from now on. I'm really excited to see how a few of the new boys go. I know we've got Grady, um, who's quite confident in his team. We've got Leachy, who's obviously rebounded back. And I think this week in particular, there's one game that uh, we're all looking forward to, and that is 
Regan Mastrangelo versus James Davies. And Jay, I'm not sure if you're joining me for this part of the podcast after, but we will have James Davies on uh, as a right of reply to Regan's barrage of insults last week, and they came thick and fast. Uh, but also, we have some questions from the league and some <laughs> some really targeted and <laughs> pointed questions <laughs> that I'm excited to to hear him uh, him answer. So, I guess you haven't given me any questions to ask him later on. Do, do you have something to add? Yeah. So, obviously, there has been a lot of questions you know put forward about you know his draft day experience and and the team that he's rolling with this year and and rightfully you know, so clearly, by, and, rightfully so by the way. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, clearly an overwhelming uh, favourite for the spoon. But yeah, I, I'm probably a little more concerned about his safety as opposed to to his fantasy team. So yeah, I, I'd probably like to piggyback on on some of the more safety oriented questions. What are you more concerned about, my my mental state or James's general physical safety? Look, they're they're both massive concerns, uh, and I, and I think everyone or, or most people. That care about the quadruple AFL are equally concerned about both. So, yeah, I, I think maybe you could both kind of hash out, you know, all the concerns that you have, and and it could be a little bit of a, a therapy experience for you both. I never thought I would uh, start an alliance with James Davies, but depending on how our situations <laughs> intertwine with one another, I think uh, that could be a, a potential option. All right, let's get to get him off. Fucking get him off. Yeah, um, get he's coming off. Get, get him back off. off. Get him off. Get him off. Get him off. Oh. Rocket, rocket. We can't hear. All right, it's time for Get Him Off. This segment took the fantasy world by storm. And as much as the positive stories were great last week, I think this has a tinge of excitement whenever we do this. And um, as evidenced by the responses in the group, uh, to the point where I'm having uh, suggestions for things that annoy me and get him off <laughs> message to me private, <laughs> privately, but that's okay. I have something firmly in my sights today, JR, and I think you'll be in agreement with me, but I'm going to give you the floor. What has frustrated you this week? What has annoyed you this week? And what has made you just yell at your computer screen or yell at your phone, get him off? Well, I think during the summer, you know, I really had... Well, not even during the summer, during, during the last sort of two months uh, of downtime, I've really had two people that have irritated me. And one of them is quite well known. One of them has been Pat Cummins and, and we've gone after him. But I will leave him alone today. Is the other one Alex? <laughs> oh, sorry, that's me. It, it is not Alex. But uh, <laughs> I, I was sort of expecting you to go after Alex in the in the Get Him Off segment, but it doesn't sound like, like you're going to. But... Uh, yeah, so obviously Pat Cummins is has been you know someone that's in my sights, but I feel like I've gone after him. I've had my say on Pat. We're going to leave him alone for a little bit. And there, but there is one more man that has really irritated me, and, and irritated me for quite a few months now. He was ever present during the Australian Open, and he did not need to be ever present during the Australian Open at all. And not only was he ever present during the Australian Open, he has now continued to be ever present in the preceding uh, two months. And that is Andy Lee, the lesser half of a well-known comedy duo, uh, an absolute second banana. And I think his foray into going solo has been nothing short of a disaster. Uh, So so much so that that the new show that that he's running with, and, and I don't even know the name of it, 
that they get responses from a whole lot of people. I know it's on after Married at First Sight because I have been swept up in that this year for the first time ever. But it is on and it is awful. And I can only imagine that the rankings have been nothing short of an absolute debacle. So I see this week that Andy Lee, when faced with a crisis with this show, I think he's probably been given an ultimatum that it's got one to two weeks left to live. He's done the only thing that he could possibly think of to save it. And that is to call back in his Lord and Saviour, Hamish Blake, onto the show to save it. And it is nothing short of a disgrace. And Hamish should not have entertained this idea whatsoever. But he has. And I think he's also now tied himself with Andy Lee's brush of disappointment. For those who are listening and obviously don't have access to uh, Zoom, I can see JR right now, and that was completely off the cuff. There was no, there was no written notes. There was no script to read off of. He had just, he's just done that without any sort of prompting, and that's impressive in itself. But really shows how much you dislike Andy Lee. Question to you: Do you like Andy Lee when he's a part of Hamish and Andy, or do you just not like individual Andy Lee? Look, I, I think individual Andy Lee is many times um, more offensive. I think he may class as tolerable as the second banana, you know, as as Hamish's backup dancer, essentially. But I, I still don't <laughs> like him. I still don't like him on that. I, I, he's just not as funny as Hamish. He, he, he. I think he thinks he is, and clearly with the ambitions that he's had to go solo, he has felt, you know, restricted in that role but I think he really needs to accept that he's a second banana. That's all he'll ever be. And he really should give up the solo act. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but, but I'm quite passionate about it. I am an Andy Lee apologist. Uh, I think there's, Ooh, wow. I think there's a world where with Hamish and Andy, you need Andy to balance out Hamish's uh, level of, for lack of a better term, silliness. And I think he does that well without being overbearing. Now, it's quite clear to both of us that Hamish Blake is the star of the show. And granted, I haven't seen Andy Lee's individual work apart from his terrible Australian Open. But which, by the way, for some reason was awful last year as well and received terrible reviews, but has just brought him back to do the exact same thing. So Can we get Hamish on next year's Australian Open? Surely that is an option they're pursuing. I would say it wouldn't pay very much. And if I had to look at their wage split on the Hamish and Andy pair, I would suggest Hamish is probably getting paid a little more than Andy. So I think it could be necessity of needing the work in the summer. Do you think if Channel 9 went to Jim Courier and they said, look, Jim, we need a little more money for the variety kind of sections of the broadcast. How would you feel about a pay cut? but we can get rid of Andy Lee and bring in Hamish Blake. How do you think Jim Courier would feel about that? I think you would firstly ask who is Hamish Blake and who is Andy Lee. <laughs> and then when it's explained he, to him, he would. and then when it's explained to him, say no, very firmly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, 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 Jim loves Jim. Well, me, I think Jim loves Jim and he's not giving up a cent. I think Jim, I love Jim. Yeah. I think Jim's pretty additive to the tennis, but uh, I don't think he's taking a pay cut for Andy, oh, Lee, absolutely. For Andy Lee or Hamish Blake. All right, mine, JR, my get him off segment for the week is going to focus on something that I know has irritated both of us. And I would have a funny feeling that you were probably enraged by Andy Lee this week. And that's why you elected to go him because this was firmly in your sights, especially five, six days ago. We mentioned last week on the podcast that I stayed at the Oval Hotel 
And while I was staying there, the Ed Sheeran concert was uh, being set up. And it looked fantastic and, well, as fantastic as a concert at our lovely ground can be. The issue is, and I'm pretty sure nobody thought of this beforehand, but 80,000 people uh, in the one stadium with about 40,000 of them on the ground itself (laughs) is apparently not a good thing for the Oval a week out from football season. So I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but they've absolutely butchered the Oval and and have torn it up to make sure that it is ready to play this week. We are only three days out from games. What what day did the Crows play? Sunday. So four days out. Apologies. Four days out and Adelaide Oval looks like a BMX track. I, I mean, it's interesting that, that you assume that the Crows do have the first game at Adelaide Oval. That That is a natural assumption. But, oh, apologies. Uh, it's actually Port Adelaide. Mm, yeah, I forgot. It's actually Port Adelaide. I, I forgot they're renting and- the Crow Oval this week. <laughs> Well, I know there has been some discussions at high levels about shipping them back off to Alberton um, for this week and, and potentially beyond. So yeah, the Oval may need another week to recover from the, the Ed Sheeran concert. I'd offer to drive the bus if it meant getting them off our Oval and <laughs> playing at Alberton. I'd pick them all up and drop them off at their games to make it happen. Um, but my issue is, and it's not just uh, located to Adelaide Oval, I don't know if you saw, but the MCG is in a very similar state. Pretty sure wherever they did it in Sydney, which uh, is NRL, but still obviously related, that's torn up as well. What are all these stadiums doing allowing this to happen either during the NRL season or a week before footy season? Like I'm thinking in South Australia, there there would be a million other places that we could have hosted that. Now, there was a lot of people there, but are you telling me that Fremont Park and Elizabeth can't handle 60,000 people? (laughs) Look, I would have been willing to, to give it a try. Look, I need Ed Sheeran heading out to Elizabeth to, to play a concert in the back of a, like, a brand-new Toyota Camry Uber and just like having the, the normal Uber conversations that the, the common man would often have. Hey, mate, you've been busy today. Like, oh, oh yeah, pretty busy. How long have you been doing this? What are houses worth <laughs> around here? Yeah, it's not a bad area, is it? <laughs> so my Get Him Off segment... This week is Ed Sheeran ruining professional sporting ovals a week before they're about to play. Look, I don't think it's a stretch to suggest that this man, who I don't believe is remotely popular in any other country, it just seems to be Australia, and I, I can't work out why, has waged wars on the sporting uh, the, the sporting ovals of, of Australia. And, and I think that there needs to be some pushback, some revenge, I don't know what we can do, but but I'm I'm happy to be involved in in any way we can to to push back against what he's done to our beautiful uh, sporting venues. The issue is, you would face an army of middle-aged people who listen to Mix One Hundred Two Point Three just coming at you from all angles, and that's not what you want in any capacity. It it sounds much like uh, working in in the government, which, which I have, which I have done for quite some time in my uh, previous career. I'm well-versed in, in middle-aged people uh, coming after me. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back with the survey results. Welcome back. It is time to go through the 2023 quadruple AFL preseason coaches survey results. That is a mouthful to get out, but I'm so happy we got this done in under 24 hours, added in a few questions that we didn't have last year and 
JR, our job today is to go through and interrogate each response and provide some running commentary on that. Are you good with that? I'm good with that. Let's go. First on our hit list is, and it's more of a statement, not a question, So, but we'll, we'll count it as questions. The person who will complete the most trades will be, and JR, no surprises, 66.7% of the result uh, of the votes is me. And I don't know how to feel about that. I understand that there's obviously a uh, precedent set by myself and my team name is Revolving Doors Fantasy Football Club. But I made a promise to myself at the start of this year and I even put it in the group and uh, said it privately to you that I will not blow up my team this year. I will not trade for the sake of it. And as we're speaking, (laughs) as we're talking right now, I'm pretty sure I will have a deal done for a player, which will be my second trade of the year, the second trade of the year before a ball has even been bounced. If that deal does go through while we're recording, I'll announce it live on the podcast, but I can't help myself. I have an issue. I have a problem with trading. Look, I, I would describe it as an addiction. Uh, even with the pick trading uh, that was sort of taking place before the draft, I remember talking to you and you were adamant that, no, I'm not going to swap any picks. I'm not going to trade. I'm going to stick to the picks I've got. I'm going to stick to the team I pick. And not only did you reverse course three different times on your like pick <laughs> trading strategy, you have now done two deals after the draft and before the a ball has been bounced in the actual season. You have an addiction. You have a problem. I don't know whether the quadruple AFL cares has the capacity to help, but I think that you should investigate some uh, some therapy for your trading addiction. The issue is, I've used my six EAP sessions already this week, and it's all <laughs> it's all it's all been related to the attacks on my character that I received uh, early this morning. So I don't have any left to talk about, you know, things like trade addictions and whatever else that comes with that. So that is an issue. Um, B-Will is in second place, which is no surprise. That was my vote for who will complete the most trades. He goes under the radar. I think everybody doesn't realise that he makes a lot of deals and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. One interesting part of this poll is the lack of of response for uh, for Lachlan Norman. I thought that there would be some some real uh, votes for him and... And I, I'm surprised there hasn't been, uh, you know, he's in everyone's inbox every Monday morning. Do you think that people are just sick of Lachlan Norman and have no desire to trade with him at all this year? Yes. <laughs> Plain and simple. No, I I think there's a world where we're now wary of Lockie Norman after some of the deals that he pulled off last year. And I think that creates a bit, a bit of hesitancy in trading with him. So I don't think the volume of trades will be there for Norman this year, but I think he will still be active in that market. No surprise uh, that there was no votes for Jono in this poll. This is a man who is completely resistant to the idea of trading. And I would bet a heavy sum of, of money that he will not do a trade this year. So no surprise to see no response for Jono. I would also take you up on that bet. (laughs) Moving on to the next question. The next question is the person who will get the best deal in a trade will be. And we just hit the nail on the head with that uh, pre-conversation because 
Winning the vote, only just though, marginally, this time around, is Lachlan Norman. So it goes to, I guess, our idea that the frequency of trades probably won't be there, but the quality will remain for Lockie Norman. And that is a concern for the league. And we put uh, people like Leachy on notice last week. We put people like Jono on notice last week, although we don't think he'll trade. Be careful with this man. (laughs) Not to be trusted at all. And that was before fantasy even started, but whatever. (laughs) Second place for the best deal is also B-Will. B-Will features quite frequently in these polls, but not necessarily as the uh, main main option. He's always in that second sort of range. So um, we'll see that uh, throughout these these questions. Next question, (laughs) very split here. Next question is, the person who will get the worst deal in a trade will be... I can't even quantify this. There are just so many random responses. The two leading, but only just, is Alex and Leachy. Now, Leachy also (laughs) received this award, whatever you want to call it, last year, and he lived up to his name with the Shoalwood trade. (laughs) So I can see why (laughs) the punters have gone uh, for Leachy early. Alex, I'm not sure for all the responses here he's actually quite clued into trades and knows the value of players when they're in front of him so I wouldn't necessarily agree with that I am coming in third place which I'm incredibly offended by uh, how much did it hurt your soul to just uh, give some praise to Alex then after the morning that uh, that you've experienced my chest tightened and uh, <laughs> we might need to, we might need to take a break soon <laughs> any other comments on worst deal no I it's quite split. I, I think people really have, have no idea. It looks like Lockie or B-Will are going to rip someone off, but that someone is yet to be determined. <laughs> and just in, in reference to looking at doing the most trades, and there was no votes for Lachlan Norman, this looks like he'll do one trade, it will be heavily weighted in his favour, and then there will be no more <laughs> trading with him for the rest of the year. So be careful. Next statement slash question is the 2023 Tiny Violin winner will be and the most hotly contested award outside of the Premiership, I would imagine. Everybody wants their hands on that little tiny violin, even more than the Pleb Premiership, even more than the minor Premiership or making a grand final. If you can't win the flag, you want that tiny violin in your hand to have some proof that you've had a bad season and can flaunt it and show everybody how unlucky you are. And the person who's had the <laughs> the person who's had the honour of that the last couple of years has been Jared Presbury, and I hope he still has the tiny violin that costs forty bucks. So I don't want to replace that at any stage. <laughs> uh, Schmidt is technically the leader on twenty six point seven percent of the votes as the tiny violin winner. My first thoughts on that is don't agree. I think. When you trade out of the draft hand that you had intentionally, so pick one down to pick six, and then obviously we know the story around the, the picks in the middle range, I think that you brought that on yourself. I, I would just push back on that somewhat. I think the tiny violin, I feel like it's less about actually being unlucky and more about telling everyone just how unlucky you were. Uh, and I feel like like Adam Schmidt, is a is a strong candidate, along with uh, along with Presbury to uh, to win this award. Well, speaking of Presbury, he shares equal second with a few other people as uh, potential back to back violin territory. Thirteen point three percent of the votes for him. Now, 
similar to Schmidt, I don't think you can draft the players that he's drafted and still have the capacity to win the award. Okay, so we're well aware of, of you know the two favourites for this award. Who are some of the other names that were that were mentioned in the uh, in the tiny tiny violin award uh, race? Equal second with Presbury is Regan. It is B Will, <laughs> and it is Davies. Any thoughts on those <laughs> three in particular? The last uh, one, Regan. Regan, absolutely. Like, if it's a better homes and gardens situation by round three, like. He could absolutely be in the running for the tiny violin. I, I reckon that's a that's a good response. It wasn't me, but it's a good response. So more more about the complaining, like you mentioned, rather than the general unluckiness. Well, and I think it would also encompass like an additional layer of complaining, like not just complaining about the misfortunes of his fantasy team, but also the state of the game. And I feel like that could be an additional layer to the to the tiny violin. I don't mind B-Will as equal second. And there's a reason behind that because if he genuinely gets unlucky this year, he will complain about it. And we're pretty confident <laughs> in that. But if he gets unlucky this year on the back of last year with the prelim result, I think in people's minds they'll start to think, is this man cursed in fantasy? <laughs> I think that's a great point. Uh, do you think that he could absolutely descend into madness if he caught some misfortune this year on the back of the uh, the seventeen and two season that, that went awry, like riding on his arm like Sam Powerpuffer's name, like <laughs> <laughs> over and over again? <laughs> Look, there, I'm not ruling I, it out. There's a I'm high, concerned. I, I'm very concerned. I'm not ruling it out. There's a very high possibility that could happen. <laughs> Um, other just quick mentions of the tiny violin winner: Grady uh, has a vote, Norman has a vote, and Leachy has a vote. I, I'm going to, going to rule out Grady and Leachy unless they get genuinely unlucky because they're not one to complain so much. Whereas Norman will live up to that reputation. I, I do agree, uh, and I wouldn't class Grady as one to complain. Definitely not. But I think that there is a level of expectation that he has for himself this year. But I think if it was to not live up to expectations on the back of, you know, misfortune that is out of his control, I think it'd be hard not to complain. I I think the expectations are very high for Grady. And I think that he would be very disappointed if he, if he caught a level of misfortune. So yeah, I I wouldn't rule him out, even though I would agree. He's not a natural complainer. A side conversation to this is there now pressure on Grady this year? Because going from, I guess, bottom of the ladder, you wouldn't expect to have any pressure placed on you. But the fact that he's semi-drafted okay and he seems to be probably a little more invested this year, all of a sudden people are having these really high expectations of him. He shouldn't based on previous performance, but all of a sudden it feels like, hey, Grady, Grady, he'll do well this year. And if that doesn't happen, I get your point. I can see that happening. Would you say... There is as much pressure on a team that finished with the wooden spoon last year and two wins as you've ever seen a sporting team have. Like, if he does not make finals, he will be lambasted, he will be crucified as having an absolutely shocking season, even if he quadrupled his win total from last year to like eight wins. And that's which it- would be an incredible, incredible progress. But if he does not make finals, I think that he is in for 
an absolute torrent of abuse. His, I would say, best friend in the group is Regan. And as we've learned over the last few days, Regan pulls no punches. So <laughs> I wouldn't... <laughs> <laughs> I would uh, I would be concerned if I was Grady if things weren't going well, knowing that I had to interact with him on an almost daily basis. <laughs> We're going to take a break and we'll come back with the best and worst in chat. We are back. Let's talk best in chat winner. And JR, you've won this award. You won this last year and it was mainly on the back of your meme contributions plus the, the occasional witty, uh, witty anecdote. How does it feel to be a best in chat winner? Look, and I said it last year uh, when I was presented with this prestigious award, the way I felt was it, was it went close to the premiership for me uh, as to be recognised by your peers as making an uh, incredible contribution to the year. Look, it felt it felt unbelievable, and, and I think it is an award that will grow in prestige and grow in you know people really desiring to win this. I would say, outside of the the fantasy game itself, the next thing that is valued in our group is the group chat, and to be recognised from your peers. It sounds like I'm talking about like an actual AFL club award, <laughs> uh, like, like we're talking about the AFL MVP. But to be recognised by your peers for your contributions to that group chat, I think is uh, incredibly important and uh, a great honour. So well done for your win last year in 2023. The fantasy. Faithful have selected Adam Leach as their favourite to win this award with a whopping 80% of the vote. And I would say on pre-season form, that is warranted. He has been incredibly funny. I reckon 50% of the time he doesn't know he's incredibly funny. I think he just, <laughs> I think he just says things and we just we laugh at them and he goes, why? What was that funny? <laughs> just, just a naturally funny person. And I think this award has almost been run and won, quite frankly. Uh, even draft day, like just some of the content he was providing is just incredibly funny. So, yeah, I, I think 80% is probably unders. I think this award is almost over. It will take something just incredible from someone else to you know, even get in the conversation. He would have to just, I would say, be a terrible person in the group chat from this on, uh, this point <laughs> onwards to not win the award. So uh, you do have a couple of votes Absolutely. in there, JR, to go back to back. And we also have Norman with a single vote for best in chat. All very, very worthy winners, I would suggest. Norman could be a late runner with his new and improved positive attitude in the group, which is low-key hilarious, but also equally vomit-worthy at the same time. Uh, do we think we'll get sick of the faux-positive approach? Like... I, I probably liked it at the start. I, I think I'd prefer him to go back to, to just embracing the villain ship, to be honest. I think there will be nothing more infuriating in this world than if he's winning, which I expect him to this year, <laughs> that he continues to win and he also continues that faux positive attitude. What if he starts to lose? Will it continue? That's a good question. I don't think so. I think we will see, very similar to how we predicted B-Will to go into... Um, a manic frenzy. I think that I think that could also happen for Norman. Well, I think just there is so much pressure on this man this year. You know, he he's been anointed as a certainty to go back to back. The level of pressure. I, I wonder whether this new approach is to try and alleviate some of that pressure that has been placed upon him, and whether he is just struggling to deal with the expectations, and, and this is kind of the result of that. Well, where. 
we're in charge of the narrative with such a platform as this podcast with our 64 streams and counting uh, from last week. And I think we can, um, we can peddle that out to our <laughs> listeners that <laughs> the pressure is getting to him, hence why he's, uh, he's changed mentality just before the season. All right, next one, the worst in <gasps> chat, the worst in chat winner. Now, let's be honest, we, we know who the favourite for this award is going to be. It's going to be John Madison's. But last year we had a resounding, I think it was 90% of the votes or close to that was John Matt's to win worst in chat. And he did win worst in chat. Interestingly, this year, only 60% of the votes for, for John to win worst in chat. Would you say that the reduction in the number of votes for John is a reflection of a, a slightly increased engagement uh, you know, with the group in the chat, he came to draft day, which was unexpected. A, a, he has quite a uh, quite a favoured team among the the uh, quadruple AFL community. Would you say that people are expecting some better things from John this year? I would say that would be the reason why there is a split in the votes, rather than that full allocation of ninety percent from last year. The issue with John is and. Like I said, when you have him in a conversation, it's great. You're, you're interacting with the man. But I think I've realised over the last couple of years that he just runs on different hours to us. He is nocturnal. <laughs> <laughs> he is nocturnal. I've never seen a man or I've never seen a person be able to uh, stay up till X amount of time uh, at night and then get up for work the next day and repeat that process. But that man is able to. Like John's the, John's the one person when... You know, you sort of wake up halfway through the night and you, you, you're a little bit awake and you can't go back to sleep. So you, you check your Facebook messenger feed and, you know, John's like the one person that's online. Always active. It's just like always active. So like I, I would maybe question whether we can maybe get John involved in, in some of the, you know, the growing um, quadruple AFL content that we're putting out and, and maybe run with like a quadruple AFL up late sort of situation similar to, uh, uh, you know, the big brother kind of up late of, of old, like a bit of a quiz show. Like you remember up late with hot dogs and it'd be like a bit of a quiz show sort of thing. Like maybe Do I remember- get John to, to, you know, keep the content wheel really, really rolling. Do I remember? I, I, I reckon if I go through my DVD collection, I could have the, the, the series on record. <laughs> what a show. So I, I, <laughs> I think there's some, some real opportunity to, uh, to get John involved in some late night content. Although um, Stasi's only fans uh, may also qualify. So, <laughs> um, Two other people share a larger portion of the vote and that is Alex and Jono. No real surprises there. There is a surprise with uh, two people, oh sorry, one person each voting for Norman as worst in chat and one... <laughs> And one person also voting Regan as worst in chat. So I would say that's more <laughs> vendetta based more than anything. They've a hundred percent voted for each other there. A hundred percent. I would also like to point out those presumably couple of votes for Jono. I think, I think they will hurt him. I think he'll be really hurt by those votes. I, I don't know what you think, but you know, to be, Tabbed as someone likely to really offer very little in the group chat it is quite an insult, and and I think it'll it'll hurt him. I would say that it would uh, shock him into action, and we could see a 
sharp increase in messages sent to the group this week. It was great to have a voice message sent from Jono to me privately yesterday with an idea for the pod, which we'll actually run with as of next week. So more of that will be great. I think on the back of this poll, yeah, and and whether it's you know related to the fact that he'll be in Europe for six weeks in the middle of the uh, the fantasy season, but but I think it could shock him into action, and there could be some calls to to flight center or uh, Expedia or whoever the the travel provider of choice is to cancel that Europe holiday and really focus on on providing uh, you know any improved uh, some improved content in the group. There's a little money left in the kitty after discretionary expenses like uploading this podcast has been taken out of. So if he needs to be reimbursed slightly for that uh, increased engagement with the chat, I'm happy to to look at that as an option. <laughs> all right, we have to keep moving on. Otherwise, this could be also a two-part episode like we considered last week. Next up, a award that nobody wants to win, but at the same time, a lot of people also really want to win. And that is Villain of the Year. Now, relatively new. We, I think we don't really vote on it at the end. It's just kind of a, an assumed, assumed piece of knowledge from the group. This year, the Fantasy Faithful have voted, and this will come as zero shocks to anybody here, Lachlan Norman as favourite for Villain of the Year. What's your take on that? Yeah, no, uh, no surprises in the uh, Villain of the Year voting. Um, an overwhelming uh, response and, and a number of votes for, for Lachlan Norman. And you're on the back of the conversations we've had in, in previous podcasts about this man's arrogance, the overwhelming number of votes it is no surprise. But there, there was a, a smattering of other votes for um, a previous villain of the year, Stasi Dimku. I, I think that he's been hurt by the loss of his villain of the year title, I, I think it's hurt him more than he's let on. And if he has quite a good team this year, he will be back in, uh, back in force. And I think Regan is a interesting choice for villain of the year as well, that someone has voted for, uh, I but can, only if his team's good. Uh, I can confirm that four people have voted for Regan for villain of the year, including myself. I'll put myself out there and say that, uh, and this was before the, the goings on of the group chat last night. So um, I think I think there's just potential there. It's like nurturing a young young footy player. I think <laughs> there's some raw talent there in, in being villain of the year, and I think he just needs to harness it. And this could be his breakout year. Absolutely keen to see. It's going to take a huge effort to overthrow Lockie. Shout out to the one person, and I promise. I can show you my individual results for this survey who voted Alex as villain of the year. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure what constitutes that before the goings on of, of today's messages, but that, that's an interesting choice. Next up, we have biggest improver of 2023 will be, and there is no shocks to uh, who is leading this charge. With 53.3% of the votes, we have Grady Hud. Like we've mentioned uh, last week on the podcast and we've mentioned a little earlier today, there is no reason why he shouldn't win this award, providing he gets, what do you reckon, maybe even six wins, seven wins? If you have a two-win season, the, if you have a two-win season the previous year, I think that's a, a pretty good indication that you've improved. Yeah, I think anywhere beyond sort of, yeah, six or seven wins is, is a huge improvement and no one is likely to match the percentage uh, of that improvement. So, yeah, I, I think a, a very clear winner in this poll. 
interestingly, Leachy and John share two votes each. I would have thought they may have had a larger portion of the votes considering they both got pretty sound teams and they weren't fantastic last year. But that low floor from 2022 for Grady, I think, is what's going to see him uh, win Biggest Improver Award for this year. And unless something drastic happens to his team, there's no reason why he can't get those six wins that we're talking about. And last one before we go to a break, the biggest slider of 2023 will be... And if you haven't had a look at this yet, JR, I want you to guess who this person will be beforehand. I I haven't had a look at this one, but I feel like there is only one man that could take the biggest slider award of the preseason poll out. And that is a man who has been consistently disappointing when the games have mattered most. Uh, has made three prelims in a row without even getting to a grand final. Hasn't experienced what it's like to be in a grand final and is also locked in for an absolute junket through the beautiful uh, sights of Europe this year. And that is Michael Johnson. He has to have won this award. Tell me he has won this award. I can confirm that the fantasy world has voted Jono as the biggest slider of 2023 with 46.7% of the votes. Clearly uh, thinking along the same lines as yourself that if you've made three prelims in a row and you have also finished, I'm pretty certain top four all of those years that you are bound to slide if you don't make at least finals this year. And as we mentioned on the over-under pod last week, there are some big questions about whether he actually achieves even finals this year. Interestingly, Davies has three votes. I actually voted Davies in this one because you have to keep in mind that his team still made finals last year. He was in eighth spot and he's always been around that. In fact, the the ongoing joke is he finishes eighth constantly. (laughs) If If he finishes bottom of the ladder this year, which a lot of people are predicting, that is a massive slide also. That is a massive slide. And, you know, I think people are definitely predicting that. So... If Jono has finished essentially fourth, if and you know he would have to slide to twelfth to be a bigger slide than Davies sliding from eighth to the bottom of the ladder. Mm. So that is a very worthy, uh, worthy opinion. But yeah, I think there is probably more interest in Jono's slide from the upper echelon of the ladder, and, and he is just under an incredible amount of pressure. The higher you climb, the further you fall. So I would agree that he has the most pressure on him in terms of sliding this year, although you're on notice, Davies, so be careful. We are <laughs> we are going to take a break and we'll come back with our final three questions, including the Wooden Spooner, the 2023 Premier, and a bold prediction from each of you. Welcome back. I have some breaking news, and I didn't think I would ever do this on the podcast, but the timing has worked out perfectly. We are going to announce a live trade on the podcast, and you'll only read about it or hear about it through this platform. JR, I can confirm that in the last few minutes, Aaron Hall and Ryan Burns of St. Kilda fame are heading to Bradley Williams' Collie Wobbles, for Will Day and Zach Guthrie. Now, I'm just pleased from a personal level that I got the Aaron Hall done, uh, Aaron Hall deal done after the uh, carry-on of the group uh, yesterday afternoon, <laughs> including from myself. I'll put my hand up there. 
But I'm glad that B will get to a potentially high-scoring, risky defender and I get some stability and some depth there. I'm really excited that we just managed to get this done on the podcast. Well, that is very exciting. That is the first ever official quadruple AFL trade broken on this podcast. And one can only hope the first of many. It does lead back into uh, one of the first questions, which is who will complete the most trades this year <laughs> with, with me being first place and Beeble being second place? <laughs> it's it's a, off to a hot start. Uh, well done to Beeble. Well done to myself. We got it done and yeah, we'll move on and I'm happy with that. Let's move on. Next up is the illustrious Wooden Spoon Award or in our league known as the Telf Spoon A physical award that hasn't been cited by anyone except for Michael Johnson. So if Jono is listening and you assume he would be, can you please send a photo of the spoon to the group chat so we know that it is safe and well and it'll be ready to go for 2023? This is not going to shock you. (laughs) With 73.3% of the votes, James Davies is favoured for the wooden spoon on the back of what is been described in the papers as the worst drafting performance ever. (laughs) (laughs) And I just don't know how he salvages his team. I was looking at it just before going, I don't know who will take this player. I don't know who will take this player. Unless he can find some free agent gems and turn them into something, I don't see how this team accumulates many wins whatsoever. Do you agree with the punters? Do you agree that James Davies is the favourite for the wooden spoon this year? Look, you know me, and I'm not one to to really enjoy piling on uh, someone in in a time of a time of great difficulty. But the people have spoken, and the result is is overwhelming. And it is hard not to agree that he will take out the wooden spoon. Now, I would love, from a content point of view, if his team took the league by storm, it would be incredible. But it is very hard to envisage. Living up in Queensland, I have, as many in the group know, adopted the Dolphins as my rugby league team. And I hate watching them uh, most weeks because it's just a terrible sport. But I'm trying to jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> and this would be a bigger story than the Dolphins, who are now 2-0, and <laughs> starting the year so successfully. If he can rally the troops and somehow, especially this week against Regan, get a win, that would do just wonders for the group chat and wonders for the league. Second favourite is... Alex on three votes. I think that's pretty fair. I think Alex is somewhat competitive and he does uh, produce a reasonable team. But the issue is this year, I'm looking at his team in front of me. There is a lot of holes there and he's an incredibly busy man. So he's not super responsive with trade talk and therefore probably free agent pickups. I can't see a world where he does well this year. I don't think his Davies level is bad, but I don't think he's far off. I think everyone's going to have to be hot on those free agent pickups this year. And, you know, if if you're distracted by work or or family or partners, (laughs) it's, it's going to be incredibly, incredibly hard to, to win. So with his busy work schedule, it could be really difficult from a from a picking up, you know, free agent point of view. And people are gonna to have to be strong on that this year. All of those distractions and non-important things like your 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 job, your fa- <laughs> your family, your your general mental health and well-being. It's just all of it needs to be sacrificed for the betterment of this league. <laughs> How much do you want it? That that is the question. 
<laughs> After today, not a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and JR, you have received a vote here, and I'm not going to go into individual responses as to who has uh, given you that vote, but can you just quickly comment on that? Well, you may not go into individual responses, but I have. Who was it? <laughs> and I have had a look. So I am not going to mention them publicly, but I've had a look and safe to say I'm not concerned. Uh, if that vote had come from someone with a history of success and you know strong fantasy performances, I would certainly be concerned. But alas, it has not. And I feel okay that... I probably won't win the wooden spoon. I will preface that, or actually prefaces before, whatever the opposite of preface is. <laughs> You're a teacher, you should know. Postfus. Is it actually postfus? No. <laughs> okay. Well, whatever it is, there is a scenario in which I could win the wooden spoon, and that is if I am so completely and utterly distracted by what could be an incredible Adelaide Crow season, <laughs> then my fancy interest could slide heavily, and in that circumstance, a wooden spoon could maybe not be out of the question. I have noticed you've recently bought that apartment block near Westlake, just to really keep an eye on this year. Uh, yeah. We need to move on. We need to get to the predictions for the 2023 premiere. And this is, once again, a very split vote. And that annoyingly, it's because many people voted for themselves. So I'm not how, uh, not sure how accurate this data is. But for the most part, people <laughs> did the right thing. Leading the vote is a person who has made a grand final previously. And in fact, made a grand final last year. No longer new to the league. It is Christian Economu Echo. I would say, JR, you are one of the people that may have voted for him here because you also predicted him last week on the podcast. I will put my hand up and say I also have voted Echo as uh, my potential favourite for the Premier this year. I've just had a quick look at his team before. It's solid all round, and he's got some players on the bench ready to come in, including Sam Walsh, who is, depending what you read, tracking okay. So I think that's a pretty... No safe bets in this league, but it is a safer bet than risky. Yeah, I you are correct. I did vote for Echo. There is some quite varied responses here, but and if you voted for yourself, that is just really <laughs> fucking shit. <laughs> and not in the spirit of uh, pre-season survey at all, but we will let that go. Uh, yeah, I have also voted Echo. And I think if Echo was to win it this year, as we've said on the previous uh, podcast it would be a win that would be received much more favorably than it would have been last year as a newcomer he has done his time he has had some heartbreak some disappointment and that is what you need to really be accepted in this league so i think it would be a much more popular win except with regan who would absolutely hate it I don't think there's anybody in the league that Regan would be happy apart from himself winning the flag. So just take that with a pinch of salt. <laughs> I need to say something as well. I just realized that last week in the pod, I actually said B will win the flag and I haven't deviated too far from that, but I had them probably 1A and 1B and I've just flipped my response this week, just looking at the teams and looking at who's in and who's out. So um, B will, I definitely think you'll be around the mark. You could even be a grand finalist with Echo, but I have changed my mind. Has that change of mind come about after you've offloaded the albatross that is Aaron Hall upon his team? 
No, because I actually think this could come back and bite me because there is a world where somebody <laughs> somebody goes out injured and Hall gets back to health and then I've lost what would be a, a VC option in most teams. So I'm actually a little concerned by that trade, but I need the depth. I'm, I'm happy that I've now not got a worry in my back line. I've got some cover there. So um, I, I think that's a mutually beneficial trade for everybody. Um, just other people who receive votes. Norman is second favourite with three. No real shocks there. Bewell with two. Stasi with one who didn't vote for himself. So thank you, Stasi. You got a genuine vote there. Uh, Grady has two votes. And I know for a fact that one of them was him. So take one of them out. But somebody has predicted him for the premiership this year, which is fantastic. Uh, Regan with one vote, didn't vote for himself. John, I'm not sure, with a vote there. I assume that's from himself. And Leachy... <laughs> Did not vote for himself. So there's a couple of strange ones there, but it's good to see those who finish outside of the eight last year getting some representation in the, the premiership favourite. All right, we're up to our last question. And this was not a poll. It was a uh, user submission. You needed to write a comment in this section. That question is, what is one bold prediction you have for the 2023 season? And it could be absolutely anything. It doesn't have to necessarily be fantasy related. It could be just anything to do loosely with the league. There are too many to read out individually, so I'm just going to target a few. And Jay, I'll let you choose one as well if you have one in particular that you really want to focus on. Let's start with one interesting one here, and that is the bold prediction that Lachlan Norman will miss finals. And I'm watching you on Zoom right now. That's brought a smile to your face. <laughs> how happy it would bring a smile to anyone's face? How happy would you be? Ah, <laughs> oh, look, look, and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say I'm speaking for everybody. <laughs> Uh, but Lachlan Norman, but I think that it would be one of the more celebrated moments in quadruple AFL history. I think the enjoyment people would get out of it and it would be like a, something that would happen over a period of time and a build up, almost like a side building to win the flag. And you really get to enjoy the run and the crescendo. And I feel like that's what it would be if Lockie was sort of into a slide into missing the final. So yeah, I think that would be an incredible moment and that is a great pick from you. I also wanted to just highlight the bolt, well, the quote unquote bowl prediction, sliding doors won't go the distance. And I would like to remind whoever sent that in that it is a bowl prediction and not a safe prediction. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you have one in particular that you want to highlight? Look, I think we've spoken about it before and and, and I imagine this could have been submitted by Grady himself, but Grady going from wooden spooner to premier and wouldn't that be the ultimate rags to riches story? Like, and essentially it would require, you know, a 15 win improvement on last year, which would just be absolutely incredible. For a man that has not played finals ever as well, keep that in mind. So this will be his first final series that he also goes into and he's expecting to go from never having an opportunity to play with the big boys and bottom of the ladder last year <laughs> to <laughs> eclipsing the greatest fantasy league in Australia. <laughs> Would you say that if he gets off to a you know a bit of a hot start and is in the mix early, that people will really get behind him as sort of their second team and, and he will become like the people's champ of the quadruple AFL. I think most people are rooting for him. I think there's genuine support for Grady to do well this year. It's like any rags to riches underdog story. You want those people to do well. And that's why Leachy is so popular within the group. And that's why um, people like uh, Dave, no, actually not Davies. <laughs> <laughs> 
But, you know, th- those people who are incredibly popular and want, uh, want those, want those great narratives and the stories to happen. It's, it's fantastic. And look, I'll be all for a Grady premiership this year. If I can't win it, then why not Grady? Absolutely. I would also be for a Grady premiership. And also there is a, another submission here that I would like to talk about. Um, and it's much in a, a similar vein. It is the prospect of Leach missing finals on percentage again. Oh, heartbreak. I, I know we've talked about B-Will and what would possibly happen to his mental state <laughs> if uh, he was to have a you know some misfortune and and maybe not achieve what he wants to achieve this year in in the fantasy space but i think we'd be concerned if Leachy was to miss finals on percentage again that would be absolutely heartbreaking and i don't think the league could could take it i i think that there would be so much concern the one thing that Leachy has going in his favour this year is we did make the change from percentage to points four to separate um, equal uh, equal wins on the ladder. So I guess okay. the thing is this year, there's less of a chance to be unlucky and more of a chance to do yourself damage by having a crappy team. So the pressure is all of a sudden now piling back on Adam Leach. <laughs> <laughs> there's no outs is what you're saying. No excuses. No outs whatsoever. I'm going to highlight um, a more serious one that is at the bottom of the bowl predictions, and that is the minor premier this year will share equal points with second place but be separated by points four. And I think that's a pretty sound bowl prediction because you think about how even this league is. There is every opportunity that, first of all, that top four won't be separated by much, but the top two positions, they were pretty close. Actually, no, they weren't pretty close last year. B will dominated that, sorry. But previous years have been quite tight. So there is no reason that uh, with quite even teams across the board that that could happen. Yeah, absolutely. I actually think looking at the teams, and I feel like I probably said it last year as well, but it definitely could be and is shaping up to be the closest fantasy season of all time. Uh, it's just so competitive. There is so much investment. That is absolutely a possibility. Last one before we wrap up the segment. And I don't know what somebody's got against you. I might have to go back through the individual responses and keep that in-house. But somebody's also written, and it might be the same person who voted for you to finish bottom, but the bold prediction is that the Galaxy Brains, your team, uh, to finish second bottom above basic cards. What have you done to warrant this hatred, Jay? You're what I would describe as one of the friendlier people in the league. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Once again... Uh, And as you may know, I was delayed coming onto this podcast and that was because I was scouring the individual responses (laughs) to find out uh, who submitted this one. And it was a different person to the first one. So there is a bit of hate for my team and that's okay. Uh, I feel like there's less hate for my team this year than last, but I would also uh, echo my sentiments in the previous segment that this person is also not someone who has had any degree of success in the quadruple AFL. And to be brutally honest, not that concerned about, uh, about this prediction either. <laughs> this podcast is the worst than us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, As you can tell, I'm not irritated by it at all. <laughs> Uh, that is it for the 2023 Quadruple AFL pre-season coaches survey. Thank you, everyone, for submitting those. We will give you out a PDF <laughs> copy of these results, um, along with, obviously, the, the discussion that we've just had in this podcast. 
We're going to take a break and then we're going to come back very quickly for our tips for round one. Welcome back. Let's get into round one tips. Really hard doing it at this time without knowing the teams, but I guess we've had a little prediction um, in front of us based on some whispers and Twitter articles and whatever else is out there. So we'll start at the top of the round one fixtures, which is my team, the Revolving Doors versus Rainy Your Parade, Christian Echo. I'll, I'm just going to say this outright. I will not win this week, and that's not me being coy or anything like that. My team has absolute potential uh, donut <laughs> risk, <laughs> multiple multiple donut <laughs> risk this week. Uh, I thought I had a sniff because I thought Brad Crouch was out for round one, but he served his suspension in the last round of the year, so he is fit, firing, and ready to go. This could be like bloodbath material, which is very concerning. So I'm tipping Echo. Who are you going? <laughs> yeah, sorry, mate. But uh, if you've got no confidence in your own team, I can also not have confidence in your team. So Echo for me. Fair enough. Collie Wobbles versus the Grindheart. Interesting one. Projected score at the moment is 15-14 to 14-22, but that really means nothing at this stage. You can go first with this one, and then I'll add my two bits. Yeah, I'm, I'm, going, uh, I'm going with the Collie Wobbles for this one. Uh, I think, yeah, an improved season for Grady, but you have to back in the history of success for B. Will. I am going for my first Ooh. up, yeah, for my first upset of the year, and I am tipping Ooh. the Gina Grindhearts to beat the Collie Wobbles. And nothing against B. Will's team, but just looking, there is a few question marks on a couple of players this week, and now he's taken on Aaron Hall. That is also another question mark. I think there's enough firepower there for Grady to potentially cause an upset. So I will tip Grady. Next is, do we do we even need to do this? It's James Davies team versus Regan's team. Really quick one. I'm going Regan's team. I don't think there's any chance that James Davies win the, uh, wins this, but I would love, love to be proven wrong. And like I said, set this group chat on fire with a Davies win. Yeah, I am also going for Regan's team here. There has been talk mostly from Regan himself about a potential 500-point margin and the potential for Davies to score under 1,000 points. So that will be interesting to watch. There's a lot on the line for these boys this week. So, yeah, going Regan, but 100% the most anticipated game of the round. Next is the Sneaky Jellyfishes, Adam Schmidt versus your team. The Galaxy Brains, JR, I am confident that you'll get, uh, get the job done against Schmidt, who who is probably going to fumble his way through the first three or four weeks while trying to find out who his captain is. So I think you will have the edge in that game. Yeah, I'm backing myself. I'm a little bit concerned that uh, some of my players are going to be off the park, but I am still going to back myself in to beat the captainless jellyfishes. Dyslexia Untied Adam Leach versus the Wooden Spooners Jared Presbury. Not a bad matchup on paper, but there is way too many marks against or question marks I should say against uh Presbury's team at the moment and Leachy looks like he's ready to hit the ground running there is actually talk of potential Jared Lyons inclusion in this team um after all the kerfuffle with uh Zorko now out so especially if that happens I am tipping Adam Leach yep Leachy for me he has to start the year hot he has to bank some wins before he uh, heads to Europe and he will start off with one here Lachlan Norman, James Herd Immunity versus Jono's team. I'm pretty comfortable without even looking at the teams yet that uh, Lockie will have enough there to get the job done. But 
once again, another fun talking point if uh, he starts a year Norton one. I, I feel like this game has really gone under the radar in all of the the hoo-ha about the Davies-Mastrangelo uh, uh, matchup. This is a rivalry game in itself. These two men hate each other, <laughs> a genuine hate. I get multiple messages from both of them saying how much they dislike each other. <laughs> and I cannot wait for this. This will hurt either of them, whoever loses. I'm and looking- I'm going lucky. I'm going lucky to win, but I am very keen to follow this one through the weekend. You should get a job with quadruple AFL promos pumping up games that uh, I thought previously, <laughs> previously were quite irrelevant. Now, now I'm amped. I'm ready to run through a wall and <laughs> watch that watch that game unfold. Uh, next game is Keithy's versus John's Slippery Licorice. I like both of these teams. This is a really hard one, and it could go either way. But I'm going to go Keithy's because I love that midfield, and I'm pretty sure that uh, players like LDU and so on might have a big year. And I think round one it might uh, send a few shockwaves through through the league. So I'm going Keithy's. Yeah, this may uh, surprise you, but I am also going Keithy's. I really like this team when we did our over-unders. Probably, I probably liked it the most. So I have to put my money where my mouth is and back in the keepies to get the job done here. Very nice. Have we tipped all of the same ones? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't really been paying attention to your tips. <laughs> I've been looking at the next game and trying to think through my thoughts. Um, last game yeah. last game of the round is Danger Club, Stasi Dinku versus Alex's team. And uh, surprise stipulation uh, in this match that I've just announced, and that is that this is a loser leaves town match. And the the, <laughs> the loser now has, now has to uh, s- sacrifice their team and give their password to some random who will be joining the league. So um, good luck to both teams, but... No, I think that uh, Stasi's got enough firepower here to put away Alex, who once again has a few players in question. Yeah, uh, Dimku for me, uh, I think he can find enough time to pull himself away from his OnlyFans to cobble a appropriate team together for this week, and I think he will win comfortably. And they are the tips for round one. How excited are you for these to be held accountable for you when we're doing this for the entertainment of the league and then to have these thrown back in our faces in trade talks like has already happened? Well, that's what I'm here for. I am here. I'm a glutton for punishment. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of your time on the podcast, JR. Thank you once again for your time. Any closing remarks? Uh, Very keen for the season to begin. Obviously looking forward to my matchup but probably just as much looking forward to both the basic cards versus uh, Regan's team and Lockie versus Jono in a couple of absolute grudge matches that could get nasty. The group chat could get even more toxic than it already is. And I'm here for it. I cannot wait. Let's get these teams sorted. Thanks, JR. Enjoy your day. All right, for our last segment today, we are joined by none other than the hottest talking point of the 2023 fantasy season for one reason and one reason only, and that is James Davies. Mr. Davies, thank you for joining me. How are you today? Very good. Thank you, Dylan. Uh, Long-time listener, first time on the podcast. It's fantastic to be here. There's a few boys I know that would be jealous that you've uh, jumped the queue and managed to get a guest spot on before them, and I'm thinking... 
off the top of my head, I think Stasi would be one of them and probably the most vocal about it. So uh, you may not have uh, had your best draft hand to date, but you've definitely eclipsed him in that. Look, it, it, it is what it is. We have to prioritise people in this in this league and then Stasi's just going down the bottom. I'm really excited to talk to you about your draft day experience and your, your team as it stands right now. And you do have a big game coming up uh, against Regan Mastrangelo, which we'll also get to. But I want to take you back to uh, around this time last week where you sent me a, <laughs> a voice message of your uh, summary of your draft day experience and your um, drafted team. And I guess the reason why I want to uh, share this, not only with you, Davies, but also the rest of the quadruple AFL world, is there is a level of confidence to this message that I think a lot of people uh, wouldn't give you credit for with your current team. So I'm just going to play that now, and then I'll ask for your thoughts on that shortly. Look, I don't think you truly know how well you draft until 15 blokes start peppering you in the group chat straight away. Um, obviously, I'm a threat. People pick swapping to get in front of me, people trying to dictate who I pick, people trying to discount your team straight away like yes I've got some holes I've got some holes that I got to fix and I probably didn't draft the best today but look I'm happy with Neil Kelly Wits and a bit of flexibility with my DPPs and Isaac Smith and, and Luke Jackson and and probably reached for a few players but um, you guys just worry about your own fucking sides because uh, Regan round one if you're going to play Rebecca Gibney in that back line, mate, you've got bigger problems to worry about. Um, look out for the cards this year. We'll be there, thereabouts. Um, we'll be sniffing around the buy rounds as usual. So look out for a new age basics cards, heavily trading, quietly confident, and hopefully those 1450s plus uh, rack up and you get a few wins and uh, shock a few uh, hopeless teams in this competition. All right, so we've now heard that. It's out in public. It's a matter of public record. Now, my first question to you is, do you stand by your statements in that uh, voice message that you sent me? Yeah, 100%. Look, I I think everyone starts talking about my team and starts talking about me as a coach. You you sort of see yourself as a bit of a threat to them. They are the, the, con, the conspiracies, the... The trying to get in front of you in in the draft, the draft hand, just magically it happened to be Alex who I was trying to do a three way trade with. It it's it's just it's odd, and um, yeah, it, look, it is it is what it is sometimes, and and blokes think they're better than what they are, including Regan. Um, a few quotes that uh, that I've heard it throughout the week um, won't even bat an eyelid this week easy beat um lots of problems uninspiring like there's there's so many problems in this league throwing out all those haymakers i think um i think a few people need to look it back into their backyard because um there's some there's some deeper problems including reagan rebecca rebecca gibney should be working on pack to the rafters not when you do your fence buddy all right let's take let's take us back to draft day and to a very shocking performance by you, and I'll try to be as kind as I can on this podcast, uh, Davies, because you have been a good sport and have come on. Uh, all good. But I have to ask a few questions to start with, and the first is, 
What would you rate your draft day experience out of 10? How would you summarize your under-pressure decision-making and I guess your overall team that uh, came out of it? Look, first of all, like catering was probably a one. Um, having Brett Radden cater your draft with dare ice coffees is probably not a good idea to start off your draft. Um, probably my overall team, like it, it is, it is not too bad. Like on paper, it looks like crap, but look, it's a six, seven, um, could do things in this league. Who knows? There's a few blokes there that will still go big like Neil and Kelly and, and Smith coming off that Norm Smith, uh, performance. He's a nice DDP pickup and kicks lots of goals. Um, Jackson DPP, some ruck versatility there. Um, Darcy's knees look like they'll snap any time, so that's probably a good pickup for me. Um, Hayden Young, 91 average last year. I think he goes on with it. Two-meter Peter, Peter sorry. Uh, purple patch um, last year with hundreds. So, like, there is some solid pieces in this team. Jared Witts, great ruckman, had a good year off the knee this year. Hopefully he goes on with it. So, yeah. I reckon you've just gone and tried to highlight one or two players in your team that you you think will do pretty well, and you've just named the entire squad. You managed to somehow <laughs> defend all twenty two of your players, which is really interesting. I have um, a, a couple of questions. Uh, one of them is actually taken yeah. by our "Ask Me Anything," but um, so we'll we'll save that one and get to it later. Yeah, but my question about your drafting is. Is there one player in particular that you wish you could take back that you go, oh, shit, I made a really bad decision there and that's the one that I need to move on at any cost? Uh, well, the obvious one for everyone is Nick Hind. Um, I don't know what I was doing there. I, I just saw the 75 average and and clicked the button without any research behind it. I, I don't watch Essendon games. I don't, don't give a shit about the Bombers. So um, that that's one that I would like to take back, but... There's, there's, some, there's still some pockets of gold there. We don't know whether Himmelberg is going to be a forward or defence. We don't know whether well, Stephenson's getting some opportunities with some injuries of, in the ruse at the moment. And, and Hardwick takes a lot of kick-ins. And Sick Dog is, is uh, one niggle away from having an early holiday. So I think like there's some, there's some pieces there that I can work with. Um, whether or not it turns out into a, into a really good score, that's, that's the question. I'm going to probably say that uh, the odds are stacked against you in terms of <laughs> producing a good score, especially <laughs> in the earlier rounds where you may not have the capacity to pick up free agents in uh, trading as of yet. My last question to you before we uh, get into what I'll call a right of reply to Regan, who was on the podcast yeah. last week, and then into our Ask Me Anything section is what would happen theoretically, if this weekend, and I don't want to wish bad luck on you because I think you've uh, used up all your bad luck as it is, or at least bad judgment. But if Lockie Neal walked out in the middle of uh, wherever he's playing, I think he's playing away this week, and within the first quarter has ruptured his ACL, what would that do to you as a uh, as a fantasy player and probably more deeply as a man? Look, uh, I think... I think I'll be a bit deflated, obviously, but um, we'll we'll pick up the pieces around him. We'll, we'll put him on the bench, and hopefully, he comes back closer to the finals as we as we all hope for. But look, there there's opportunities in this league. There's there's a good fixture for the Cards this year. We've got two games against the Spooners, two games against John, and we know how they go this in this league. And drive-bys, and, and you got this. 
and then you got dyslexics in the buy. Like I think we, we've got some we've got some opportunities here. Where, whether Neil goes down or not, we still got Kelly and a few others that can pop up, get one hundred and twenty, and and be your captain. If there's one thing you love, it's snaking your way to three wins in a buy round. So uh, <laughs> I think if I'm going to back anybody to do it, it's you. I am now going to throw over to you, and this is a bit of an open segment that I'm happy to egg you on at certain points because uh, I think sure. it's going to work best. But you mentioned that last week uh, Regan threw out just one or two barbs. I think it was only one or two from memory. Then he's also... Uh, 16. <laughs> there was 16. Uh, I went you... through the pod this morning. 16 individual digs at me, um, how shit my team is. So, um, yeah, not one or two, 16. Have you been able to count also the attacks in the group chat as well? Because I think we may have lost them over the course of the week. There was quite a few there as well. Look, they're all pinned up on my whiteboard at school at the moment. So a few people throwing darts and uh, missing the board at the moment, which is which is good to see. So I'm going to throw over to you. You have basically a, a two to three minute writer reply to Regan, or if it doesn't go for that long, that's completely okay. But a, a writer yeah. reply to Regan and... The floor is yours, Davies. You are here to defend yourself and uh, show a bit of backbone for your team. So I guess listening to the pod and, and looking at the group chat over the last week, it um, 16 individual digs at me during the podcast, and that's not including the seven-minute review of my team. Um, called uninspiring, lots of problems. First winless season, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's a big, big call from Regan. And the big one here, sitting pretty at the top of the ladder by the end of round one. Mate, okay, I have analysed your side. I, it is okay. I, I don't, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But it's not as shit hot as you described, buddy. <laughs> Look, since, since the pod, there has been some major concerns opening up. We've got... Three former basics cards, actually four former base basic cards players in your team. As I mentioned, Sicily's one niggle away from an early holiday. Blake Akers, whether he gets into that Carlton system or not, that's another story. Stephen May, calf injury going into round one. Like there, there's some big ticket items there that are sort of just getting on the on the way down, which is great. Um, great for us in a way. Um, Bont and Track. They're, yeah, they're good picks. They're good picks. I had my eyes on them, but went a different way. You got Cherry. So I've got a big ruck advantage there with Wits. So looking at a, a plus 40 advantage there, which is fantastic. And putting some faith in Finn Callahan and Rebecca Gimney to, to score big <laughs> first up in their first games. It, it's, look, they've had some preseason hype as the rookies. This is not fantasy classic, Regan. This is fantasy draft football. They're not going to score over 50 or 65. They're going to be scoring in that middle range tier where Candon McIntosh can score that. Jaden Stevenson can score that. Nick Kind, if he plays, can score higher than that. So I think you need to look at those problems first. Um, Look, easy beat. I don't think that's going to happen. Projected 1,500 to about a 1,420. Look, I don't see... see, um, any problems going into this week. I think there's a lot of problems going for Regan's team this week. I think we're on the on and up and, and um, yeah, that there's some, there's some holes there that he needs to fill quite, quite, quite fast because round one is tomorrow. Just a few points you highlighted there. Tristan Cherry in ruck is of a concern. And you talk about um, the likes of Rebecca Gibney in the back line. 
and uh, <laughs> uh, and Jeremy Cameron, who may or may not even play the game, depending on what happens. You're, you're painting quite an interesting uh, picture and a, a rags to riches tale of how you may beat Regan. But I'm just going to flip it on you slightly. Um, I'm not sure if you're yep. aware. You, you're a busy man today. That's why we're having to do this at uh, 9.30 uh, at night. Brandon Brandon Ellis is out. He's uh he's done. He's cooked. Yep. Uh just looking through your list now. Jaden Stephenson is potentially one of those droppable candidates, sort of like a Nick Hine esque. So hopefully that doesn't happen yep. for you. But you, you do have a few, I guess, uh areas which could be exposed. Any backup plans just in case that does happen? Picking up Dane Rampey is probably a good start. Um just to cover that Nick Hine hole. Nick Larkey. Is uh, is on the bench at the moment um, and playing the, the West Coast Eagles this week. So, a couple of uh, goals there, especially with a plus eight. So, I, th- I think that's um, that's going to be good for us if if um, things work that way. But um, Camden McIntosh, he's he's on the bench, and we know he can he can score eighties on occasions. So there there is plenty of things there. Ellis Ellis is sitting there. He could be a vice captain loophole if. Uh, Neil and, and Kelly, Neil's playing on Saturday afternoon. So, look, there is there is some stuff there that's going on, but that that's what makes it interesting this year. That's what makes it that makes it exciting, I guess, going into round one with with no expectations except beating Regan and <laughs> and putting him last on the ladder instead of first on the ladder, which he expects. So then I have to ask the question. Are you backing yourself in this week? If you were doing uh, quadruple AFL footy tipping, which you should be if you're not, have you tipped yourself this week to get the win? 100%. Uh, put $10 on Normbet already uh, at big odds. Looking at the five and a half line as well, I think I, I'll take. I'll give that a bit of a shake as well. Look, you have to have confidence in this league. If you, if you weasel out and go, oh, I can't fucking do this anymore, Look, you're going to end up like John not being in the group chat and, and you're going to end up like Brady having two wins for the year and celebrating a mediocre win last year. <laughs> My favourite part about this is that you've come on to have a whack at Regan and you've gotten everybody <laughs> in your crosshairs. Poor John hasn't checked the group chat for five days. He's going to wake up and listen to the podcast. <laughs> He's gone whack, whack on him. Um, thank you. Look, look he, 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 leaves, he leaves my messages on red. And so this is this is a moment to give him an opportunity to hear it first. Thank you for your rebuttal to Regan. That was very good. I'm glad to hear that you've backed yourself in because uh, I think you'll need the confidence this week. That's all I'll say. I have some uh, questions submitted by the Fantasy Fraternity in front of me right now, uh, what we're calling an Ask Me Anything section. And I think if this works well, which it's... Uh, probably going to, I think we might do this with a few fantasy coaches throughout the year. So this is an ask me anything of James Davies. Now I've got a few questions in front of me. I'm not sure we're going to get to all of them, but I might start and uh, I won't say who they're submitted by, but I reckon you can probably tell (laughs) just by the wording of the question. (laughs) So I'll start with question one. Following last year's demoralizing loss to Grady, becoming his first victim in 2022 out of just two wins, are you concerned about any mental scars heading into this season? Obviously, that's from Grady. Um, <laughs> what made you think that? <laughs> look, look, he's still on his high horse from that win, and 
Mate, it happened last year. I was on the road in the middle of a 1500k drive back home with no service, and you celebrated like an absolute clown, mate. Did he derail my campaign campaign last year? Probably. Yeah, look, I was looking at a fifth or sixth place finish on, on percentage, but um, ended up eighth and bowing out in that first week of finals. So he probably did have me rattled going into the last couple of weeks. But, look, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It's 2023. It's not 2022. We can't live by our previous accolades. Um, probably the only one that could, could do that is Norman being the, the Premier last year. But if you're still um, holding on to pleb premierships and then premierships back in back in the early days of the AFL, especially in the asterisk year, I think um, you've got deeper problems um, in your squads. Who haven't you targeted yet? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we need to make a list and make sure you're checking them off as you go along. Um, second, second question is, what was the thinking behind Luke Jackson at pick 87? Good question. Um, look, I've, I've been burnt with Ruckman in previous years, uh, Natanui went down with a knee last year, and I don't know why I picked him last year. Jared Witts the year before did his knee. Um, I've always had to have a, a Pitonet or a, a, a Soldo or a, um, a Darcy Fort, which is which is pretty terrible to, to sort of build up your ruckman. So a uh, bit of versatility in the ruck. Um, yes, ruck forward. Um, who knows what he'll be? First year Frio. Um I'm excited to see what he does, um, but definitely some backup in the ruck for for wits if if someone goes down. At least I can put someone in there. Two more questions to go. Next question <laughs> <Yep>. is: <laughs> This is just brutal. Do you think you have the worst team in the league, or have you spotted someone else more terrible? <laughs> I would. I wouldn't say the worst. I wouldn't say the worst team. It's a, it's a good question. I think plenty of others have to look in their own backyard. I think. Look, Prez needs to find someone that can come within 200 feet of uh, Marvel Stadium <laughs> in his team. I think that Taron Thomas, <laughs> Taron Thomas is a, is a shopping pick. Schmitty, with no captain, is vulnerable. And then obviously, yeah, there's a few others that are they're leaving leaving some holes, especially in those buy rounds where where we know that I I love lapping up those buy rounds. So you pounce. Look, those guys going to you. Those guys, those guys gone to Europe and then trying to set a ten man team um, while while sailing. Uh, listen to the Venger boys. It'd be yeah, it'd be hard for them to sort of keep up. I'm going to save my ask me anything question uh, to you for last, and I'm excited because yeah, uh, it's been a question that's been on my mind for the last probably four years uh, of fantasy, maybe even five. And that is, what is your fascination with Camden Macintosh? <laughs> Look, he, he's a basic card through and through, Kevin McIntosh. Ever since he came to me in that trade all those years ago, I think I've had a soft spot for him and I've, and I've watched him grow as a player. He is the only player in the AAAFL to play 50 club games for one club. <laughs> and I think that that is, that is a fantastic achievement for one player. Um, I don't I don't see any other players playing more than 22 or 23 games for other clubs. I think Brody, Brody Grundy played for Stasi for a few years and, and he's got Laird again this year. They're not going to get to 50 games like Camden. My special relationship with Sam Taylor may uh, have got him to 50 games across three years, but I'll have to check the quadruple AFL historical record. So I just want to have that as a matter of uh, 
public record for the podcast. That's that's fine. That's fine. But uh, Camden will be touching touching eighty or ninety games this year. So um, good luck to Sam Taylor, even if he gets a gig for GWS. That's a sour note to end on because I will have no no bad words said about the greatest fullback to ever play the game. All right. Davies, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on Late Night Podcasting with me. And I'm very happy that you managed to get a rebuttal on Regan. I'm going to end the podcast with a prediction from yourself. So you've said that you're going to beat Regan on the weekend. Just by how many points yep. are you going to beat him? Look, I think I think it'd be a close one. But uh, if I can get up by 20, 25 plus, I'll, I'll be happy. Um He's got, he's got to sort out those problems. And my last, last question for you, Davies, is have you got a tip for the remainder of the year? Yeah, look, I've got a tip for the big one. Uh, Rose Hill, race eight, number 10, learning to fly on the weekend at the Golden Slipper. I think that's a, that's a good value, about at seven bucks. Um, oh, you, you, meant, you meant the premiership, did you? <laughs> I did mean the premiership, apologies. Oh, shit, sorry, guys. Um, Horses on the brain. Look, <laughs> look, um... I think B will goes all the way this year. I think he's he's got a good squad. He um, likes to trade, and I think we need someone new to to pick up the the shield this year with a bit of with a bit of positivity and a bit of bit of likeness. I, I, I do I like B will's team. I like the way he goes about it. There's some people in this league that go about it the wrong way, um, and I and I'm still waiting for the AFL. AAAFL Coaches Association to hand down some sanctions for, for some some coaches. So I think B-Wheel goes all the way. Uh, I think he, he's got a solid team, but my backup would be Echo. I think he, the way he drafted after a solid session at Peninsula Hot Springs just before draft day, after probably 60, 70, 80 beers over the weekend, I think he's done all right to, to get through with a reasonable team. I would say they're two pretty popular premiers if they were to eventuate. Uh, James, thank you very much. We really appreciate your time on the podcast and we will probably have you on again sometime throughout the year. So we'll see you very shortly. No problems. Thanks, guys. That's it for the show. Thank you for joining in. Thank you to JR as per normal and also thank you to James Davies with his rebuttal to the week that was and copying it quite a bit in the group chat. So thanks for being a good sport, Davies. We will see you back hopefully next week, same time, with results from the first week of quadruple AFL fantasy. Enjoy the footy and have a great weekend.